Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks. Everybody, I am your host, Jackson Stone, and I'm pumped for today's episode. I'm here with a very like-minded guy. We connected on LinkedIn, so they know that our paths cross, or we have mutual interests. We're tr- basically just trying to change the world or make it a better place, you know, one person um, at a time. And I think it's interesting because we're both in the coaching and the speaking field, as well as being artists. Uh, so I think that that's a cool mesh. But I'm joined today um, by Graham the Guide. He is, um, well, one of the, the world's uh, leading mental performance coaches, um, basically in the NBA. He's worked with some of NBA's best young talents. And he's, uh, he's also a recording artist. He dropped two albums in 2021. He also re-released an album that he dropped in 2017. Uh, he says he's got a ton of music on deck. His music is motivational, inspirational. That's why they call him Graham the Guide. It fits perfectly. Uh, but I'm freaking pumped to have this conversation with you. And thanks for joining me, Graham. Come on, Jackson. What an honor, man. Thanks for like connecting. And I'm grateful to meet, like you said, someone else. We're on the same path. I feel like we're cut from the same cloth and the same purpose here in this world, you know, man. So no, I'm 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 grateful to connect, man. Super grateful. I mean, I'm mostly attracted to you because of your beard, but also because of what you stand for. But I just wanted to point that out. Uh, but I'm I, committed. I'm fully committed to the beard. It's on a it's on a big growth phase right now. <laughs> it's a good look. The bald head and the beard is a magical look. It's a magical yeah. look. But um, I generally start, not generally, I always start this show off with one specific question. It's a very basic routine question that I'm sure yeah. you get asked 100 times a day. But I think in our profession and just yep. generally between two males, this question can be really powerful and cultivate a lot of connection and conversation and vulnerability. So if we can lead the way by answering this question honestly and openly, I think this will head us in the right direction on this podcast, but just overall in life with creating more unity and positive vibes. So Graham, I ask you right now, if you want to answer this question, honestly, that would be awesome. How are you doing? Like for real, like really, how are you? How are you doing? Hmm. Well, I would say, I mean, just the, 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 the terms good and bad are just so broad, you know, mm-hmm. I'm good or, or I'm not doing well. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fully in it here in the human experience, man. You know, I'm like, how, how am I doing? I'm, I'm doing it, you know, meaning like I'm, I'm really here through it all, through everything that, that's going, all the feelings. You know, the last month I've done a lot of incredible interpersonal work on myself, working through uh, some trauma, some resentment, some anger that I hadn't realized I hadn't let go of for a while. I've been in this mental health space for almost two decades, and I felt called to it a long time ago. And I always felt this immense pressure on my life that I was aware of something and I felt this immense pressure to go serve it and to go make sure I helped everybody. And so on this pathway, like coming up the last 20 years and serving people, I've, I've fucking seen it all. I've seen it all. I've seen everything I've had. I've done it all to make this work. There was jobs in this space before there was anything. People thought I was crazy doing this work. People thought I was insane getting a degree in sports psychology and the stuff I was talking about, I was still low key hiding what I was really teaching. Cause I didn't know if people could handle this stuff. So I'm doing well, finally working through a lot of how hard this was to do this the last 20 years, almost where if you told me what I would, what I would have had to do to do it, I probably wouldn't have done it if I knew. Cause what I, what I've always felt was a call of service. You know, I felt called. And so how am I doing now? Since you want to be really honest, I'm working through all that stuff. I'm working through how challenging it was to go in this space. I mean, there was no jobs my first 12 years of doing this work, man. And I felt trapped by doing this work. And also like that, like there was no way to like make a living, you know, now it's a way different story. Like now, you know, there's full-time jobs. There's all this, all this stuff. I always wanted a full-time job. And because there weren't any, I ended up writing a book called Play Present. I've built a few companies. I've, I've made, I do all this stuff. But honestly, I was always just looking for like a full-time job. And so what I'm, how I'm doing right now is I'm working through 
a lot of the stress that I never had a chance to work through the last, you know, I don't know, almost two decades because I had to bring it every day, you know, and I'm married with two kids and I'm like, where's there a break? There was never a break. There was never a moment where I could be like, ah, oh, let me just like pause. There was no pause for me. It was like, dude, if I didn't bring it today, it wasn't going to happen tomorrow. And so that the pressure was immense for me. So I'm, I'm dealing with that now. And it feels good to finally be dealing with that. I'm doing good meditations. I have good coaches around me. I've been doing a practice called tapping. I don't, I don't know if you've heard of that, you know, tapping different points, different, um, acupressure points, releasing trauma, helping realign your neurological system. My system with my adrenals were just firing high the whole time. I was like waking up every three hours sleeping. Um, I was always on alert, always like, oh shit, is this going to happen? Is, am I going to make it? And I was like, I don't have to live like this anymore, man. So that's how I've been doing. Finally, finally able to, to, to work on some of that and then having great resources around me so I can. And then I was slowly starting to feel better here. And, uh, and work through some of that because I was suffering man, for a while. And uh, yeah, so yeah, that's how I'm doing. Well, thank and, you uh, for sharing that. That That's really special. And it means a lot to me that you shared that. Of course. <clears throat> but I want to go back to what you said about uh, feeling like a calling, like you had a calling yeah, to yeah, this yeah. work. Do you, do you remember like a specific moment? Um, also, how did you know that this was it, well, this was the field? Were you in sports when you were younger? Um, and how did you just make that leap to know that you just wanted to start helping people? Because that's a scary leap. It's really kind of like a vibration, right? Where you line yourself up, you start to just feel aligned. And like alignment was what I was looking for in life, to just be aligned. And I met a guy, I finished college in 2001, and I got my first job outside of college. And I met a guy named Donald Foyle, who at the time was playing for the Warriors, basketball player. And he said to me, and it was like in slow motion, he said, have you ever heard of sports psychology? And I remember as soon as he said that, I was like, no, I've never heard of that shit. But I knew, <laughs> but, but, but I knew right away that that's what I was going to go do. Mm. Everything just illuminated inside of me. And then after that, they were like, well, just so you know, there's no jobs. There's a stigma against mental health. And I was like, none of that shit. That doesn't mean anything to me because I'm lined up. And when I felt it lined up, I was like, I'm going to go do it. You know, because I'm not going to go against being lined up. And I had already done three or four years of good interpersonal work with from my first teacher, right? Learning to be present, meditate, and heal, and do all this stuff. So by the time O'Donnell said those words to me, my system just ignited from inside. Uh, and so then I started off on the mission, you know, which to go serve, to go bring this to the community where I was from in San Francisco. And I just started at Mission High School, the high school that I felt called to go help. And I just, never look back man like never look back from that and the first you know three or four years are pretty exciting because you're following your heart you're doing what you love and then it gets fucking terrifying because it doesn't just happen in three or four years and so you're like oh shit here comes the real test am i really going to stick with this or am i going to bail you know and just and i stuck with it so from years four to like 12 it was really hard because that was in the darkness. That was like going in to serve, but I was like, there was nothing exciting about following what I, it was like, it was that middle ground. And then by year 12, I became overnight success by year 13, you know? And then, then I'm like an overnight success. And then here I am, you know, six years after that, you know, just still at it, still evolving, still growing, but the work was going into that darkness. It's not just, oh, I follow your love and everything's blissful. It's like, no, you follow what you love and then it requires you to face fear you didn't know you would ever face. And that's what it's required. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to do that because what's the other option? Don't do what I love? That's certain death. So I may as well do the thing that seems terrifying, but at least it's following what I love. Mm. And I would just convince myself every day to do that year after year after year. And it got so insane um doing that and i married and started having kids with my wife so it was like holy the pressure started getting so immense uh, but then the irony was i learned how to deal with pressure you know what i mean mm -hmm. so like i learned i i hope my whole field the whole field is this that i just threw myself in it so it's almost like when you jump into your journey your path you can't comprehend it intellectually sometimes but as you go into it you're like it's all for something greater you know um 
And then halfway through that, those dark times, I started recording on a microphone. You know, and here I am seven years later. I'm like, I'm a recording artist, dog. Like straight up. I got like six albums on deck, you know, and like I, I got a studio here. And I do it and I'm still doing mindset, but it's just through a new avenue. I felt called to basketball. Now I feel called through music, you know, so I'm still lined up following my purpose. But your purpose kind of evolves through time. You know, mm-hmm. I was the direct I was the director of mental training for the Utah Jazz. I did that for a couple of years. It was great. And then my daughter was like, hey, man, I miss you. You're in Utah all the time. And I was like, I don't give a shit about this, the jazz. I care about my daughter. Mm. And that's obvious in that moment. You know what I mean? So I'm like, well, my journey is leaving the NBA. <laughs> it's not sticking with it. Like you have to have the courage to keep sticking with your purpose as it evolves through time. You know, so um, anyway, that's that's how I kind of got into it, how I find myself here. Um, and how I've, I'm still with it. Like I look at it as one big wave. I'm still surfing the same wave. I'm just still on it. I'm still on it. It just keeps going in new directions and new places. And I have to have the courage to let go. Letting go of the NBA was one of the hardest things ever. You know, when they tell you, man, any amount of money you want, uh, Quinn Snyder was like, you got the green light, do whatever you want. The head coach, I was like, yeah, this is like a dream come true. And my soul was like, you got to go. And I was like, what the fuck? Why? Why can't I just settle in here and just settle in and just like check out kind of, you know what I mean? Why do I have to be on this edge the whole time on the forefront and just come? It's like, that's my life. I can't ever, I've never known the comfort of a conclusion. I've never been like, and now I'm done and we're going to hold on. It's always like, oh shit, Jackson, I'm in it right now, right now with you right now. That's how it feels for me. That's how it feels every day for the last 17 years just i'm on the forefront of a wave surfing and it never ends the wave never ends and sometimes i just want to jump off the wave but like then what what would i do you know what i mean like all i want to do is get back on it (laughs) right so the comfort the comfort of of conclusion that's what you said right one thing i take What's I don't that? know that. I'll never know that, bro. Yeah, yeah. That's not something I'm I'm not looking for that. I don't look for the comfort of conclusions. Yeah. Like there's a heaven or hell. That's a conclusion. Like right. your pension is a conclusion. Retirement's a conclusion. I don't have any of that. I know right now. I'm not saying that other stuff doesn't exist. I'm just saying I just know this and I'm here. Um, I knew right away an illusion was don't do what you enjoy. Try to hurry up to retirement. Beg. And then try to find something you love after that. I just saw that as an illusion. Mm. And I was like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. And I can't pretend geographically there's a location after this human experience that I'm trying to go to. Now, that may be the case. I don't know. I don't believe or disbelieve, but I'm here. I know that. I know that. (laughs) Yeah, I think. Now, I'm good at not knowing. That's what I realized. I got really good at not knowing. I'm okay. I'm okay. Not knowing. Mm. I'm okay. I'm okay. Not knowing. A lot of people are terrified if they don't know what's going to happen. Don't worry about it. We're all going to die. So you don't have to worry. That's coming. That's coming for everybody. So that, that conclusion already exists. You know what I mean? Right. Um, But I don't have to know. I'm okay. Not knowing. And that's, that helps me live in the present more. I find part of me wanting to know, of course, man, of course, who doesn't like, but then when I then I when I'm working with people, and I say, do you want to know the day you're going to die? And they all say, no, they all laugh and go, no. And I say, so you really don't want to know. So let's just be here. Like when mm. someone says I'm having a midlife crisis, you don't know that. You don't know what your midlife is. You have no idea when your midlife is. Nobody does. Well, midlife, your midlife crisis might have been at nine years old for some people. You know what I mean? They're, they're not going to make it long. So I. Ugh, I try to live here on this wave that's existing now. I try to be on it. Sometimes it makes me really frustrated. I just want to bail on it. But then I just am like, stay on it. Keep living this vibrancy of life as best I can, you know. But sorry, I kind of went on a tangent there. Man. Go no, on. I love it. I could listen. I could listen to you talk about that all day. So I'm super into it. <laughs> I have a couple questions from that. <clears throat> Um, one, 
how do you specifically, or do we general in this field teach young people that have this like gut instinct or intuition about what they might want to do or what they may be curious about or what they think their purpose or their calling is, whatever phrase you want to use, how do we get them to like what you did, see past the fear of whatever it is or see past the consequences of inaction or action and get them to go do that when they have this like they feel it like they know it. people know like you know you've you've experienced a bunch of things you're curious about this you're curious about turtles about the flute about whatever and you're like ah, yeah. i don't know like people might think that's weird that i love no that's fucking sweet so how do we get people to just dive into that um and then once you answer that i'll, I'll ask my next question or maybe <laughs> through what you say i'll have another question but that's what i got uh well first of all, great stuff i know to model the behavior first of all you know, mm. like you can't be a person smoking cigarettes, telling other people not to smoke cigarettes. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So you want to be what you want them to be. So if you want young kids to follow, courageously follow uh, something that's side of them calling them, you fucking do it first. I'll do it, too, because then I have the I can have the audacity to have them do it, too, because I'm like, I'm not don't be a person telling them what not to do. That's the worst in the world to me be the person saying what to do mm. we have plenty of people saying this is how i fucked up don't do it like that don't ever talk to my kids like that don't ever tell like don't ever get around my kids and say don't do that i want people to be around showing us how to be curious and courageous because that's what it takes so curious and courageous you're like i feel something wanting me to go check it out i'm gonna go check it out and then we we keep we model that i try to live my life modeling I'm like, I'm proof it, it exists. You can follow what you love. You can do it. Now, the mental skills come in to help you stick with it. Mm -hmm. I said the first three or four years were exciting. And then the middle eight were fucking insane. Right. <laughs> and that's what every insane. And then year 13, I'm like a superstar. You know, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I don't really think that, but I'm like, oh, then I got like publicity and like press and like all these job offers. But I'm like, the middle eight is where it goes down. Right. The first four, it's exciting. You're following what you love. Everyone's like, cool. In the middle eight, everyone just gets on with their life. and you, You're kind of just by yourself. And in there, you have to have the skills of being present. You have to have the skills of devotion, commitment, right? All this, all this stuff. So we have to empower them with the tools in those moments. This isn't the lottery. This isn't luck. This wasn't like easy. Mm. It's fucking hard, but it's like hard, like investing, right? The back end is wonderful. I just invested in the right stuff. So here I am at 43, about to be 44 years old. And I'm like, you're just looking at someone who invested in something magical for 23 years. Hell yeah, it's fucking amazing. Because I've invested in it for 23 straight years. Right? Wow. If you Now, yes. So of course, yes, it should work. It absolutely should. So that gives you concrete example. Nothing I'm doing has been bold. Nothing I'm doing has been luck. This is boring, diligent, concrete principles that are guaranteed to work mm. <laughs> you, you hear what i just said this is boring people are like graham you're so bold i'm like i'm boring you mean doing what you love every day is bold what the fuck that's not bold that's boring mm. it's already predictable i'm gonna i'm gonna follow what i love tomorrow it's the same old shit <laughs> there's no mystery you know what i mean like it's i'm literally boring now i'm making fun of it i know i'm devoted I know I'm extreme. When I say competitive, I was competitive. I was going to follow through on what I loved. And if it turns out doing what you love is not it, I was going to go prove it. It turns out it is the thing to do. So the problem is I've, figured, I've unlocked it. So it's no longer a mystery or hype or luck. It's literally you just stick with it like an investor. You just stick with it like anything. What I, what I noticed working with billionaires, working with folks that have made whatever they consider to be a ton of money, is right after what do they do they do what has impact and what's inspiring so the wealthiest of the wealthiest do what's impactful and what's inspiring that's the richest thing you can do on this earth they don't make 12 billion dollars and say fuck man i need to make like 800 billion dollars no they're like oh. they might say some shit like oh i'm gonna try to go to mars because that has meaning to me Right, or I might go to the planet. Or I'm going to donate all of it to get water to the world. They, it, that's what happens. So I simply was aware of that young and was like, well, I'm going to operate like the richest person in the world and I'm going to do what has impact 
and what inspires me. I'm going to do what has purpose, meaning, and joy right now. And most everyone else says, I got to make a bunch of money first, then I'll go do it. I said, why not just do it first? And of mm -hmm. course, doing it first means it's scary. So I just dealt with all that fear, which is usually, here's the real fear, Jackson. It's just money. That's all it is. When someone says they've made it, it just means in their mind, they're making money doing what you love. Right. If you're making music and you feel called to making music, and I ask you, hey, are you making music today? You say yes. I say, by definition, you've made it. They're like, no, I haven't. I'm like, you have. The question is, are you going to stick with it? Mm -hmm. Right? Because you, if you're making music, then you are it. Now, most people think making it means someone pays you for it. That has nothing to do with it. That's a, that's a con. That's a con. If you stick with what you love, start when you're young and stick with it, I guarantee you'll get paid to do it. Now, you have to stick with it. But if you start doing, exploring all this stuff, and we have to model it. So I'm not smoking cigarettes saying not smoking cigarettes. I'm saying, motherfucker, this is what I'm doing right now. So if you want to know how I'm here, I'm doing it right now as we speak, doing it. So follow me. I knew I was on this earth to be followed. That's weird. But I, I was like, yes, copy my words, do all that shit. I'm here to share it with everyone because this is so real. This, none of this is luck. This isn't hype. I'm not some miracle. I'm a boring, regimented, disciplined person who just does the same shit every fucking day, which is follow my alignment and serve it like a happy servant who's following something that knows exactly what to do. That's all I'm doing. I'm a servant. I'm literally just a servant. And if you do that for a while, it looks like the most profound stuff happens. And it does. You end up being fulfilled inside. And you put what I think is the bottom, bottom line first. The bottom, bottom line is, are you lined up purpose, meaning, and joy? Play that out over time. Play it out over time and watch what happens. Yeah. So I think the way we help young people is we help them with pacing. They're all in a hurry. Mm. So then ask them, are you in a hurry to die? They say no. So then you say, you're not in a hurry. Don't worry. Because that's the end game. Don't worry. That's, don't worry. So we're not in a hurry for that. In the meantime, can we have lethal patience and can we walk to win? Also, two of my songs. So what I did, all these sayings I came up with the last 20 years, I just made them into songs. That's so So cool. now I, I just take all these expressions, like, oh, put it into a four-minute song, put a hook to it, and try to make it so mesmerizing that it sticks in your head without you thinking about it, and now you got it. Mm. And now I can transfer it like that. So walk to win essentially means, when I said my pacing, right, the first four years are magical. Oh, I'm following my heart. It's amazing. And then year five, you go right into hell. This is just my experience, right into darkness, right? Right then is where most people quit. Mm. That's when I, I kept walking. I walked to win. I was like, this looks like real bad, mm. but I'm going to keep walking. I can't even run. I don't even know where to run. I'm going to walk. Most people run those first four years. It doesn't happen by year five, so they quit. Year five, I just like, well, I'm going to walk it out. I'll just inch my way along. And then by year 12, it's like, oh, my God. It's all happening. Then you can like run and do all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, where this came from was I walked it out in the darkness. I walked it out in the darkness with lethal patience. So my competitiveness was like, I'm never letting go of my heart. So my patience is going to be lethal. I'm going to slow walk this motherfucker until it, until it happens. Or I'm going to die doing it. Because what other life is there? If you feel a calling or feel something inside of you, you don't do that. You've already turned off your greatest technology, which is ourselves. You know, so I know I sound crazy, but like this is, I believe in a world like this. I believe in a world where you can't be mathematically judged, where you're not a grade point average, you're not an SAT score, you're not a salary, you're a presence. Mm. And you are, how much are your purpose aligned, meaning aligned, how much joy emanates from your, from your presence, that that becomes a currency that we operate from. Because that, that's, that, that's in real time, it's real. If you look at a piece of paper and solve my like a numerical assessment of me, what the hell is that? What does that even mean? I'm right here in real time with you. This is the real being. This is the real thing, not an assessment of me. You know what I mean? So I, I look at a place where like we can develop young people and help them become a presence, not a number, you know, not looking to run to the end. They're looking to experience now fully, fully abundant. Now this takes profound courage, profound training, but if we start training them when they're young, Exactly. Which we get better at, then no problem. 
And then we have more people out there doing it, modeling the way, showing it. I have people all the time say, I didn't think you were real, Graham. And I'm like, no, I'm real. Like, this is real. Like, this is all real. And then I try to, I'm like, this isn't luck. When I say I spent eight years in the dark, that's real, right? That's real. This isn't luck. You know, and it's like, that's required. How do you get revelation in life? How do you have transformation if you don't go face fear? If you don't go right into the, like you said, the vulnerable stuff. That's how you started this whole show. It's pure vulnerability. And that's where I came up with victory goes to the vulnerable. It's another song I have. I'm like, if you're willing to be vulnerable, well, victory is yours. You know what I mean? And, and uh, so I, all these concepts, a lot of this, Jackson, just comes down to feelings. I know that sounds funny. But it comes down to I'm gonna feel some feelings, mm -hmm. and then I'm gonna then I'm gonna do it anyway, right? Like I, that's it, because there's rarely ever someone being physically held back. You know, at this point, most of the time, it's like it's you and yourself, it's you and your mind. It's in your mind. It's like oh, I got so much self doubt, so much worry, so much anxiety. I just like shut down. You know, and if we can learn to work with all that, which is what we're training, I think. I think this whole generation coming up, my daughter is nine, our son is six. They're not playing around, man. Like they, they, they want to be lined up. They want to live truest to purpose, meaning and joy. They, they sense it, you know, they, they sense all that stuff. They know they're beyond mathematics and I love math, but I just mean like, if you're, you're not your credit score, you're not your GPA, you're not your salary. That's not who you are. And that's not, and people get caught up in that stuff all the time. Right. You know, uh, anyway, these are just my own thoughts. I'm not saying this is how it is, but I'm just saying this is like how I've operated when I went through those eight years in darkness and the metrics on the outside were bad. I had no money. In fact, I was negative money. Uh, things were bad. Right. But internally, I was on fire. So you're like, well, how do I rectify this? I get all these outside things look so horrible, but I was like inside. I'm thriving. You know what I mean? Like thriving. So I'm like, this, this outside shit's gotta be an illusion. It's gotta be. Cause I've helped a bunch of dudes make a hundred million dollars. And they're like, man, after that, they're like, that didn't do shit. That was a five day party. And then you're like, that didn't do anything. I still have to, I've worked with people who make a billion dollars. Like that was a seven day party. And then they're like, after that, it's all back to my, back to my mental health work. I gotta meditate. I gotta work out. I gotta do all my shit every day. Like, yeah or else you're a disaster. There's no relationships, money, or job that takes away any of the work you have to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, why not have both? Have there all is. the internal stuff, then you have as many toys as you want. Right. You know? So. Well, what you, what you <laughs> said about embodying it for young people, like I saw, I've seen that play out in real time. Like, so I coach a, I coach a 13 year old baseball team. All right. And you see some coaches who will uh, verbalize to their kids, hey, calm down, relax, it's all good. When they make an error or something, they say that out loud. But then right after they say that, they take the bucket of baseballs and they launch it into the dugout. <laughs> totally. So the kids who are 13 are very smart. The kids are very smart and intuitive and they pick up on a lot of stuff. And so if you're saying stuff out of your mouth, that does not completely align with your actions, no kid is gonna believe you. And so you can't be telling someone on the pitcher's mound who's walked two batters in a row because he's just feeling, he's feeling a little jittery, he's feeling a little nervous, yeah. whatever. Maybe it's his first time pitching in three months. Maybe yeah. his grandma's here, whatever. There's a yeah. lot of stuff going on, right? And you're telling him, just relax, throw strikes. And then you're getting on your, <laughs> you know? Totally. He's totally. not hearing your words. He's only looking at your body language. And so we have to be lined up. We as coaches or parents or whoever's modeling these behavior for the kids has to be in our superhero pose too. We have to be have our head up, our shoulders back. We have to be lined up with the words that are coming out of our mouth, right? And so those things can stitch together and kids can believe those actions. And so also in the same token that if you do make a mistake or sometimes your, your words don't line up with your actions. They have the majority of the time. So we can actually ask for forgiveness and kids can actually have that as a sincere apology. And they know how that give and forth goes in terms of, you know, an, an emotional bank account in a relationship. So I think that's wildly important. And I've seen that play out in real time with real yeah. children on a baseball field. Um, and so embodying that behavior is just, 
ah, it's like, it's a game, it's a life changer, not even a game changer, a life changer. Um, so that's super important. Amazing. And then oh, that, that's just well said, man. So well said. Man. Thank you. Thank you. And then also I want to touch on one other thing that you said, because I'm also a professional wrestler. And so I, I relate to you in the, in the artist form. Yeah. And I say the exact same thing about professional wrestlers that you say about musicians or artists, right? Because most of the time as independent professional wrestlers, it's not considered making it until you get to WWE or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever you want to call it. But I say, right, you were six years old watching The Rock on television and you were like, I want to fucking do that. And, yeah. then, and then you had a match in front of, I don't know, 14 people at a strip mall in Dallas, Texas, who loved your professional wrestling match. You made it. Like, of course, there's a higher trajectory that you can go. There's more that you can aim at. There's more value and responsibility you can have as whatever you want as a pro wrestler. But that's it. Like, you did what you wanted to set out to do originally. So there's a there's got to be some sort of uh, congratulations and celebration for yourself on the path to, you know, whatever excellence or mastery, however you want to call it. Um, and in the same token, it's always like when you get to that big stage and when you get to TV or whatever, people are like, oh, this guy's an overnight success. No, he's literally been, he's wrestled in front of zero people in a barn in Oklahoma for no <laughs> money because he yeah. loves this shit. And now he's an overnight success. No, he's been grinding for 15 That's years, right. driving his own car and paying for his own gas 18 hours across the country so he can wrestle maybe one match potentially that could get him, you know, all of these things go into play when you're chasing these like really lofty dreams um, and all dreams should that's be it. like large and big because that's, that makes you, you know, aim at something. Um, but like, right. it's really not the end destination, right? It's all that stuff in between the process, riding the waves, I'm the pivoting, you. the adjusting that's that it. makes it all just so magical. At least I think that's what we both think, but no, that, that's what that, I got that, off what that, you that's said. That's literally the magic that, that is the magic. I, I think, first of all, well said, man, like that, that's just like, that is the joy. It's like, oh, how am I going to go get across the country and get to this match? I, I remember, uh, you know, coming up way before I'm like the director of mental training for the jazz, blah, 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 blah <laughs> you know, all that stuff. I'm just working with kids, yeah. kids. I'm just going to every basketball camp I go to working with 11 year olds, 12 year olds. And I met uh, Donald Foyle, right? The guy who helped me get into this. He said, treat everyone that you interact with like they're at the level you're trying to go to. So he's like, yeah, Graham, you want to go to the NBA? Treat everyone you meet like they're already there. Like wow. that was the secret. And so I'm doing these basketball camps and I asked for a volunteer at one camp, right? His little 11 year old puts his hand up, right? And I'm interacting with this 11 year old. And it turns out that was Aaron Gordon, you know, oh. Aaron Gordon. And, and just, it's just some 11 year old and I'm giving him everything I have. Right. And then it was like that, it was like, that was the joy. And then years later I became his mentor and we, we didn't even remember that moment of being at a camp together. And I'm doing a workshop and he was at the workshop and he stood up in the middle of the workshop and was like, Graham, he goes, you were that guy. You were that coach. I was that kid. And I was like, Oh shit, it was you. Wow. And so like, you're on your journey. Like I want to go to the NBA. He's like, it's already around you. Like there, it's already there. You may not, it may not see how, how you think it is, but it's already there. And once you feel the calling, you, you just show up for it. And then that 18 hour drive wrestling across the country to maybe get a match. Tell you what, there's a lot of joy in that. There is because you're actually following what you love and that's freedom. That's purpose. This drive has meaning. Yeah. Every fucking day has meaning. I remember one time I, I met a guy named Marcus smart, Marcus smart plays for the Celtics. I remember I met Marcus when he was 15 at a basketball camp. And I, when I would go teach this stuff at basketball camps, the way I would figure out who I would work with was I would just work with the only kid who was like, hey, man, I want to do some work with you. It would almost be like nobody, right? Mm -hmm. I would go do these mental training workshops. And most people would be like, oh, that's trash. And then a few people would be like, hey, man, like, what is that? And I'd be like, oh, I'm going to help them out. They must be smart because they're asking questions about mindset. And it ended up being Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and, and all these different players. Marcus, when he got to college, He's playing for Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State. They were playing in Las Vegas. I'm in California. I felt a calling to go out to Las Vegas and hand him uh, framed pictures of all these different concepts we've been working on. And I framed 10 of them for him, little plastic you know, frames. 
this was my book before it was a book. It was just random pictures. And I said, I feel called to go out there. And my wife was like, that's crazy. You're not invited. We don't have any money. And, you know, and I was like, ah, what I'm supposed to do it. You know, she goes, all right, let's do it. And we found the miles on like a miles credit card or something got me out to Vegas. I think I was staying in like a haunted hotel. Like, <laughs> everything was wild. But somehow I get into their practice and I'm wearing a bright blue velour tracksuit on. Like, who the fuck am I? I'm in their practice carrying a stack of framed pictures sitting on the side of their practice while it's all just Oklahoma State. And I see a coach look at me. And he, and he walks over and I, I go, well, either going to jail right now or, you know, I don't know. And he goes, I don't know who you are, but I know you're supposed to be here. How can I help you out? Wow. And I was like, mind blowing, right? I'm like, no one's allowed in anyone's practice, let alone some random dude. Right. They walk over and he was like, I know you're supposed to be here. And I was like, okay, I'm here to give this to Marcus. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll do it right now. He goes over to Marcus. Marcus is like, what's up, Graham? You know, and he's and like, I hand him, they get the frames to him and then I leave. And that's what I was called to do. Somehow get my ass to Vegas with no money, sneak into a basketball practice, sit there, vulnerable to shit, just fucking shit. Someone walks over and hand Marcus Mark 10 frame pictures and, that, and then leave and leave. That was it. There's no money. There's nothing except that's what I was called to do. Hmm. And so that's when you're following your calling shit like that becomes fun yeah. because you're like oh my god i just did that you're like i just I, what is that you're like that's following this crazy calling inside of me um and then you know you, that's just all part of it and also magic happens when you follow your calling how does some coach walk over and not kick me out of practice why does he say i know you're supposed to be here who the fuck says that he didn't even ask my name he's like i don't know who you are but i know you're supposed to be here like he was there to serve me only because I was serving something bigger. So they feel that vibration. They're like, okay, we'll, we'll help you accomplish that. It wasn't me as some agent trying to like get to Marcus or, you know, or do something. I was just here to give him mental gain and then leave. And that doors get open when you have that vibration, you know, like yeah. they really, they, so that's the, like, if you can follow your calling, it'll feel terrifying. Oh, it's not going to work. You have to go into it and go into it. And then you'll watch it work in real time. That's how I said, I feel like I'm on a wave right now. It's because I don't know what's going to happen, but I know if I keep showing up here, man, shit just like opens up, shit opens up, you know, but it takes so much courage because so much. it's so uncomfortable, so much courage, so much courage. And that's so I just operate on courage. But once you do it a few times, it's no longer that courageous because you're like, dude, I know this works. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, you're not asking me what I believe in. That's like asking if I believe in gravity. I don't have to fucking believe in gravity. Gravity works. I don't, you believe in shit you don't know. You know what I mean? If you know it, you don't have to believe in it. Believing means you don't know. So everything I'm explaining, I don't have to believe in this. <laughs> like, this is like a principle. This is like a tried and true thing of how it works. If you stick with this stuff, you will things will open up for you that you cannot comprehend. Uh, just like I'm sitting on this chair right now because of this thing called gravity. But if you were like, hey, Graham, where's gravity? I'd be like, uh, I don't know, man, like, but it's here, but I can't point it out or touch it, but I see all the evidence, right? you know? So when I'm sitting there and they go, I don't know why, who you are, but I know you're supposed to be here. I was like, if that's not evidence, dude, <laughs> I don't know what is, <laughs> you know? And you get, you get five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 of those experiences. Then when you go into your darkness, you're like, I'm okay in the dark. I'm okay because I can navigate and I actually know how to feel. I know how to track it because I can feel it. And then you come out of the darkness on the other side, back to the light and your navigation system is on point, man. You know what I mean? Where I go, man, your shit is so lined up, so vibrational, so tuned in um, that, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's where I find myself now. As you come out of the darkness, I'm, crazy enough to say I'm a recording artist. You know yeah, what I mean? That's so cool. And that's that I, I know I'm a spiritual being, but in the human experience now, I, I operate as a recording artist. I have producers I work with. I started a record label. Um, I, I just released two albums last year. Mm -hmm. I have many more albums on deck. I have to slow my pace down to work with the producers and the engineers. I can work fast. I can work 
Jackson, if you stick with being lined up, if you stick with like on the, the forefront of what you're doing and don't put it aside, man, you can start to get at a pace where you can produce with little effort, you can produce massively. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, it starts to just compound after a while, just like an investment, it compounds, you know? So I don't know where it's going to go now, but I, I've, I've, music's a big part of it. I love it. I find myself uh, singing hooks now. I sent you uh, the last couple songs I just did, just texted them to you. I find myself working on getting more vulnerable with music because it, it's a, another avenue that allows me to be vulnerable. Oh, yeah. As I was transitioning into doing this, a lot of people who knew me as a mental training coach, it was super awkward for them to see me do this. Mm. One person described it. He's like, it's like watching Shaq shoot three pointers, Graham. Like they were like, we know you. <laughs> they were like, they're like, we know you as a certain thing. And they're like, what are you doing? And I remember, I remember feeling for them. I was like, oh no, this is greatness, dog. Like, I'm, I'm not even joking. Like this is, I'm great. This is greatness. A willingness to be vulnerable, to keep following my lineup. I'm like, do you know why I got into mental training? Because I'm doing what I'm doing right now. When I first got into mental training, they all said I was crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I'm not crazy. Then years later, they're like, oh, fucking amazing. As I'm getting into music, they're like, you're insane, man. And I'm like, I'm not insane. I'm, I'm actually boring. Like I said, boring, diligent. I just do the same shit every day. I follow the guide inside of me. I just serve it and try to help other people, you know, have the courage to follow their purpose and put meaning. Like if your purpose was to wrestle and you feel it, an 18 hour drive where you don't know if you're going to have a, a match. Do you know how much meaning that has? Do you know how powerful that is to go to go do that? The joy of going from state to state, going, I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm literally with source doing it, following some intelligence far beyond my logic. Because my logic's like, what are you doing? <laughs> great yeah. intelligence is like, I'm doing something that we're supposed to do. And that's that. And yeah. so we live in that space, you know? Yeah. Anyway, fuck, man, I could talk forever about this stuff, but it's... Uh, <laughs> I love it. Your your uh your energy is very infectious. I could listen to you for hours. Um, That's a right on. <laughs> right on. But I I have a an interesting thought. I guess I don't know. Maybe it's not interesting, but I have a thought that I want to pass by you since you've been in this field for over twenty years. Yeah. And now we're starting to see over the last couple of years, especially the last year, this like um, really. Um, it's like dive into mental wellness, like what a mental wellness means, mental health, how do we optimize the athlete and just the regular person, yeah. but we'll speak on the athlete side just kind of for now. Do you think it's possible to fully commit to one thing, like say an Olympic athlete is one track minded while also being optimally like healthy in a wellness way? Or do you think, because there's a dark side to everything. And so I'm not sure if I'm, I'm relaying this question well, but do you think that, that those two things can co coexist and it can be a healthy person? Because we see a lot like when the Olympics post depression and things of that nature, um, like they lost, they obviously you're sacrificing a lot to be a master or a lead in anything. But I still think, I personally believe that it's possible to optimize your wellness and your mindset while still focusing on that one North star. Um, so I, I, I want to get your thoughts on that. A hundred percent. man. I think that's where we're going in performance is it's not this one or the other it's, we know how to do them both and we know how to integrate it. I mean, to be an Olympian or professional athlete, it's already so obscene what you have to do to get there. You know, it's not just like, oh, I just kind of lucked into being an Olympian. It's like, no, I dedicated my entire life for something, you know, like that's so you start with that. Right. So at that type of level, um, what I work on with folks on that level is the word harmony. And so instead of balance, which there is no balance at a certain level, there's right. no 50 50 that causes stress. This idea that you have to be balanced overwhelms people. And so what what I work on is not balance, but harmony. And harmony is, hey, I may, only, may only have two hours with you this week, but I'm going to be fully there with you for these two hours, not concerned about what else I'm doing. I'm going to be harmonious in my experience, harmonious in what I'm doing. 
And with a lot of the depression I've noticed with Olympians or athletes on that caliber is all the focus is on results and outcomes. That's just where it's at. And so they live and die with results and outcomes. And of course, being an Olympian, it's every four years. So there's even more pressure. Right. I think the way we find integration into these two things, like living healthy and being healthy, is we start to participate in sports for purpose, meaning, and joy. And at the same time, we understand we're in a, in a competitive environment. And, and you have to balance this. So, for example, in basketball, if I'm in basketball, I absolutely want to have more points than the other team. No doubt, right? No doubt about that. I want to, of course, but that's not my focus. That's not at all where I put my mind to whatsoever. That's a result and an outcome. I put it to purpose. Purpose is being present. Then I put it into meaning. That means this has meaning right now in this moment. And then I put it to joy. And that unlocks everything. And so what I see people, if we can start to judge ourselves on some different metrics, I think we can start to still perform high level athletically and then not have this ultra sabotage in our life and everything else, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm an Olympian, but I'm really depressed. I hate this shit. And I'd secretly, this is like Michael Phelps or someone We're like, wow, this whole thing has been so detrimental to my life. Or Kevin Love from basketball, he started talking about mental health after he made $150 million Everyone feels the pressure. They don't want to say it before they make the money. So the pressure is always they're trying to make money and they can't, they don't want to say anything. We have, we have to evolve that making it. It's not just money because that's what I noticed, right? Like if you notice who talks about it, usually, um, you know, Naomi Osaka, you know, world famous. She, um, who was the, who was the gymnast? Um, I'm messing it up. Simone Biles. Yeah. Maybe the best athlete in the world right now. Um, she's like going through mental health stuff during it. And I'm like, wow, when I work with Olympians, there's so much pressure on just results and outcomes. And that's all who they are. I think if we keep bringing this back to <clears throat> inner, inner fulfillment and that athletically will perform better than we ever have, but we'll also be able to have uh, a, a different fulfillment. It's not just a result and outcome. It's not just you're a perfect 10 on the floor or, you're a gold medal. That's where the depression and stuff comes from. It's people are that it just makes it hell. It turns it into a job, it turns it into no longer a fun, you know, purpose, it turns it into like a fear-based thing. And they feel relief when they win. They don't even feel joy. You know? So I think it's totally possible. I think it starts with what are the metrics with which we're judging success? Like when we said, hey, you made it when you're making music, not money. That's a metric I judge. No, if you're making music, that's the metric I judge, not the money. Most people, the metric they judge is what causes all the, all the, the harm, you know? So, cause I think athletically, you want to see athlete play great, take away the scoreboards, <laughs> watch them do it for joy and watch what happens. Mm. Watch how much faster they are. Watch how much more powerful they are. Watch. They're just like children again. They're like children playing the games poetically. Right. And then like the best performance of any athlete <laughs> ever. If you ask them, hey, were you analyzing everything, counting math the whole time? They're like, fuck no. I was just there. Pure bliss. I don't even know what happened. So if that's the best they're at, we need to train for that. Don't yeah. train for anxiously getting the result. I got a boy who plays in the NFL. And yesterday, if they won, they went on to play in the playoffs. And if they lose, they don't go in the playoffs. And I'm like, I know everyone in the building is talking about playoffs. And if we win, we go here. And he was like, Everyone is talking about that. I was like, what do we want to talk about? Presence, joy, and trusting. That's it. Imagine if everyone was talking presence, joy, and trusting, what athletes would do. Oh. Holy shit. Oh. Holy shit, Jackson. Man. Oh, my God. It would be like, oh, oh, my God. Like, it would be surreal. I live for that day where you just have them. Because what is sports? It's body movements. That's all it is. It's body patterns. And sports have nets or a ball or a goal. It's just body patterns. It's movements. It's a dance. So if you have people freely doing the body movements, freely, fully, whatever the body movement is, with no concern of anything else but full power in the movement, oh, that's peak performance. And then after showing the numbers they got, I guess, but the whole thing was like that thing. Mm. So I want us to train for that. Everyone thinks I'm crazy when I do that. Cause you're like, well, how do we know who's winning? I'm like, you can't feel if you're winning. You can't feel when you're at that space of pure greatness. 
So most people need to be told they're doing well. Well, tell me, tell me I got an A. I'm like, you don't know you just learned? You don't feel it inside? Like, no, I need you to tell me I'm doing good. That ain't it. That's, that's not how we bring out the best in people. Right. You know what I mean? I, I mean, so many athletes have told me if the coach would just believe in me. I'm like, stop having them. Don't have the fucking coach believe in you. You believe in yourself. What's the coach have to do with it? I believe in you. What is it? That doesn't do anything for you. <laughs> I, you're the greatest I've ever seen. That doesn't do anything for you. You have to go do it yourself. Right. So, so coming back to your question, I think we have to track different metrics. Mm. And I think if we, when we track different metrics, we're going to see athleticism take off to its peak thing. Right now, we have an anxiety-based sports and a very few select athletes who can persevere through that. And, we're, and that's the, the impressive thing. It's not the sport. It's how they persevere through the madness. Right. And as opposed to everything being lined up, pushing us in the right direction, it's everything's countering you. And a few people know how to like make it through that, you know, and that's like what we're in awe of. And then later on in life, they're like, turns out I was depressed the whole time. Oh my God. Like Michael Phelps, like he's the greatest winner. He's like, this whole thing is mental health. Holy shit. His whole focus now is like, you know, therapy and doing, you know, all that stuff, man. You know, yeah. so really he was just enduring hell a lot of times. Yeah. Which is, which is more impressive than the actual swimming portion of his life. The swimming is nothing, man. It's a body movement in a pool. It ain't shit. He it's was, all yeah. the, it's all the other stuff. I wow. go look at like what's basketball? A little push off my foot and then that. You think this is impressive? I just flicked my wrist. What the hell is that? It's just a little rick flick, little wrist flick. It's most movements. I mean, I'm thinking of wrestling now. Wrestling is pretty impressive. Wrestling movements are impressive. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't impressive movements, but if you think about it, a lot of stuff in sports, it's, it's simple movements and you've just mastered. The hard part was, did you have the endurance to get it to the point where you can actually do that movement at a certain level? Like, do you have the, the ability to stick with it after you've been cut 15 times and you still show up? Right. By the time you actually do the movement, like I got the movement down. It's like a great piano player. They're like, I can play piano. That ain't, that ain't it. It's how the fuck do I make a living doing this? How do I balance it with my my wife or my husband or my kids or like you know with me when it, when it took off in the nba my kids were like we miss you now i was like oh man this didn't take off when i was 26 and i wasn't married and didn't have kids it took off when i was like 36 and i was like married with kids and i you know so that's the work the work is not the thing you do it's all the training for the thing you do that's mm -hmm. what it is at least that's what i've noticed you know, I mean, by the time the lights show up, show up and you're doing your performance, all we're seeing is what you did in the dark. You know what I mean? That's all. But by the time the lights show up, this is nothing. Like me getting in front and talking to a group or doing something like this, I do this shit in my sleep. Like I can do this. And it's only because I've written a book, made tons of albums, done a document. I mean, I've done everything. Aaron Gordon is 26 years old. I met him when he was 11. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like Incredible. This, this, it's like, bro, I've been here. So it's like, yeah, now it's like, I just have to show up um, and the craft comes through me uh, and I enjoy it. But the work now is patience for like different projects I want to do and, and having the ability to keep walking to win, to stick with it, you know, to make space for more manifestation, to make space for more things that I can't just force real quick to happen, you know? And you're like, oh, this is going to take some time. So yeah. uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Um, I want to, I have a, I've one. it's not really a final question, but it's a, a question about a question, but before okay. I, before I get to that, um, tell me about, uh, cause I know you co-founded and coach at train the mind. Oh yeah. Um, so just give people a little insight on what that is, where they can find it, what you guys do. Yep. Uh, train the mind is train the mind.com. And then we also have an app. So we got the app out. Train the mind is a mental training gym for parents, athletes, and coaches for youth sports. So I built, I built a gym. I mean, I essentially built it for myself when I was 14, right? I didn't have access to any of this. So I, I got together uh, five other coaches that I know, and we started building content for Train the Mind. So we have over 600 pieces of mental training content on there, ranging from one-minute videos up to hour-long meditations and everything in between from all different voices. And so it's a gym, you know? And I, I, my goal is to get a million kids doing mental training on that gym. And when I say kids, I'm talking parents, their kids, and the coaches that coach those kids. I yep. want that whole triad doing this work. So we built it. Check it out. Train the mind.com. Check out the app. Uh, 
We're constantly trying to make it better. And it's a big accomplishment for me because to be able to say I have something to serve youth that's scalable, that's reasonable, that's affordable, that I can get everywhere, that's a big deal for me because a big part of all this stuff is access. It's, you know, of course, if you got some cash, you can find access to a good coach or something like that. But what if, what if that's not the case? Right. So I wanted to build something to make sure every kid has access to this stuff and no one is left out there by themselves, you know? So that's trained mind. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah, the youth is something that I'm, I'm really, uh, invested in and I really care about, you know, because sure. if we can, catch these kids early on with some of these skills. Not everything is going to resonate with them. It's impossible to. Not everything resonates with everyone. It's like a lot of information. But if we can just uh, enhance some of these skills and they take with them wherever they go in life, business, finance, college, relationships, maybe sports, they're just going to be, and then, they, and then they'll start to use it. And then they'll be like, oh, this is what I learned from Graham at Train the Mind. When that's I was 14, right. now I'm 25. Oh, I get it now. That's right. That's right. Wow. That's right. You know, and maybe, yes, maybe some of them become MLB athletes or NBA athletes. That's cool yeah. too, right? That's yeah. not the goal. The goal is just to equip them with some of these skills so they can learn how to handle heartbreak, failure, rejection, setbacks, all of these things that are inevitable in life that they will face no matter what happens, no that's matter it. where they go that they'll just be equipped to handle it because life is very challenging and hard. Just like you said, even when you are chasing what you feel to be the most purposeful and meaningful thing in your life, it will still be really, really fucking hard. And so if you, if you want to pivot through all that and you can adjust through all that, you need some of these skills or well, not some, you need to equip yourself with all of them, but some of them will be more useful to you than other ones. And you'll, you'll be able to find your toolkit that allows you to enhance your life and, and, you know, be the best version of yourself. So I think it's amazing because that coach yeah. player parent triangle yeah. is like super That's important. It. And if we can get that to be a cohesive supportive unit, Oh my God, we've unlocked just like this magical, this magical thing that can just do anything for any player really That's ever, right, man. everywhere. You know, I'm, I, just got fired up a little bit, but yeah. Hell yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I love it. I mean, I love it. I, you know, I haven't even let mo my kids, we haven't even done a whole lot of team sports yet because I just, I don't know, man. I, you know, we, we do like, I have, we have like a boxing trainer. So we do like individual stuff. I love working out. Like I make them work out. We do music and stuff, but like actively having to win a soccer game at like six years old. And I'm like, I don't, man, I don't even know if that matters. Mm. Like, you know, or like, I, I just, they'll naturally be competitive if they want. I've noticed that about kids. They're naturally competitive if they want to do it. I, I want to, I want them to have a good experience. I don't want kids to be burnt out at 15, 16, 17 years old, you know, where they're, they're already just so burnt out for their sport because they've been so on it since they were 10. Right. It's so like, boom, 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 you know, that, uh, I mean, I, I, I love sports, but I really appreciate what you're doing and, and all the development you're doing because I love this culture that's being built and I, this vibration that's being built. And, you know, sports is always just this incredible thing. It's a great avenue to reach people. It really is because so many folks are drawn to it, but we have the responsibility to evolve what we've been doing to make this, like you said, harmonious for them, truly impactful for them and not this devastating thing that's like makes them all feel anxiety and like their failures and they're not enough. And if I, if I'm on the mound and can't throw strike the three batters, the coach is like, just fucking relax. Fuck. You know, and you're like, that's not it, man. Like that's not it, man. That, that can't be it. You can't put that energy. Basically you can't put that energy on my kids right now that like, as they're finding their way, some anxious coach who thinks their self-worth is through winning with youth sports. That can't be it. Right. You know, like that can't be, you got to model that behavior that they're okay out there. And yeah, they got to recompose themselves, get themselves together, but it's not do or die. It's not, exactly. it's not, especially if you're a grown adult reacting mindlessly around children, that's basically training them to do the same shit. Exactly. You know? And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but I'm like, that's what I strive to do. You know, strive to like, try to model the behavior. That's what I'm trying to do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, effort, effort and trying um, are extremely sexy. No one's got it figured out, right? No one has yeah. it figured out, but effort 
and giving a shit are extremely cool and we should teach that to kids that's cool like caring about things is cool um and so i think that's wildly important um but not to keep you like too incredibly long um right. as i was like scrolling through your your websites and your linkedin and looking about all your history with the nba and mental performance coaching and train the mind and saw all of your albums and you sent me a few of your songs um what stood out to me the most was the question that you posted on your website and the question is are you living and breathing your greatest potential and so i want to know as my final question to you why you chose that question for your website and what does it mean you know i i think that question just gets right to it for people you know and i think deep down everyone knows whether they're attempting to do it or they're kind of avoiding it mm -hmm. so i think that a question is a prompt you know it's a prompt to like we're here on this human experience it's hard if you avoid your purpose it's hard if you go after your purpose you know so why not why not go after it why not give it a shot why not go see what it's like and what i always tell people is say say you try it for a while and it turns out following what you love is not for you then don't do it you know but at least say you like really try and you don't wink wink you know what happens when you follow what you love for a while you never come back mm -hmm. so <laughs> no one's ever come back you give that option say go ahead but why not try it why not why not give it a shot are you doing it you know because you don't have to be born with this stuff but you do have to be willing to have an open mind and you have to be willing to practice yep. no one has to be born with this that's kind of the whole cool thing is you don't have to be born with some special thing but if you have an open mind and you're willing to practice you can develop all this stuff absolutely you know so that question is also to give people hope that there's hope there's hope here you're not like stuck yeah. If you don't know this stuff, no problem. Let's open our minds, start to learn it, and then we start to practice and we get better at it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Continuously being able to have hope is like an everyday miracle, I think. That's the juice, that juice every day, you mm -hmm. know, that it's all possible. Now yeah. you have to work. Hope is not your some passive thing and it comes to you. Right. Like I call myself a hope dealer. I'm like, bro, you got to call on that shit. You got to call you got to actively this isn't i'm not a part of this things have to come help me i have to activate myself so you generate that hope yourself you start to generate that and then it starts to generate itself you know and then you have it, it is like an energy every day you're like okay why not show up again today why not show up where all things are possible today because all things are possible so why not show up because there's no comfort of conclusion so it is possible today it is now I gotta fucking work it though. I gotta work it. That's like walking into a gym. They go, hey, you know, if you use this gym, you know you'll get stronger. That's the truth. Now you do have to go use the gym though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just look at it. You can't talk about it. You actually have to go do it. Like I could read 50 books on strength and conditioning. Does that mean I'm in shape? No. Not that means I read 50 books on strength and conditioning. Does not mean I'm working out. <laughs> you, you could read 10 books on consciousness and mental training does not mean you're doing any of this shit. It just means you like read books, right? I mean, nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't mean you're doing it. I can read all kinds of cookbooks. Does that mean I'm cooking? No. Yeah. So we, gotta, we want, yeah. we want to do it, you know? Right. Yeah. We want to do it. It's the, uh, it's the switch from consuming to action. Most of the time, the action is so small, so brief, so quick. Most of life I've noticed is people are just avoiding the action. The actual action is so quick. It's so right there. It's just, it's so, we use all this energy to avoid it. You just go right to it. A lot of times you just get right to it and it's very fast, it's very quick. And then you're like, oh shit, I don't need to suffer avoiding. Why not just get right to it? Yeah. With little hesitation, full courage, full vulnerability. And then I get right to it. You know? Yeah. People wait, people wait till their deathbed to go follow their purpose. Don't do that. <laughs> you're going to die. So don't worry. It's going to happen anyway. Mm -hmm. So we may as well, we may as well get to it now. <laughs> you yeah. know? Absolutely. Man. Amazing. These kinds of conversations always energize me and I love them. That's one of uh, the main reason I do a podcast is so that I can talk to people I've never met in real life, but I met over the internet that have, are yeah. wise and insightful and just beautiful. So thank you for coming on my show really and spending like okay. the last hour and 15 minutes with me. Um, my pleasure. It's amazing. Pure joy, man. It doesn't even felt like five minutes. That's how I know I'm doing what I enjoy, you know, yeah. because 
when you do what you enjoy, an hour and 15 minutes feels like five, feels like a five minute thing. Just like, oh, just like that. Right. Just, just fun. But um, where can uh, where can folks find you if they want to learn a little bit more about you, train yeah. the mind, all that good stuff? Check out trainthemind.com. Uh, GrahamBetchart.com is my own personal website. That's yeah. got a whole bunch of stuff. And then the music I make, um, I'm under the name Graham the Guy. So if you go onto all streaming platforms, I got it everywhere. And right now I have three albums up on Graham the Guide. This year, my goal is to release. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do albums. I may start doing singles, just do like two singles a month, just to get in a rhythm with everyone yeah. and just start cranking out music. I, the two songs I just sent you, those are my two next singles oh, sweet. that I have. So, yeah. So uh, Magic with the Math and Mind Trap. All the songs I do are all based on mindset stuff, right? So it's all, it's all motivational. It's, it's mental training. You have it on in the background. It gets you going. You kind of hear the words over and over again. I work with some good producers, so they make good music. And the idea is it helps kind of get the, the training in your mind. But yeah, Graham the Guy, check it out. That's kind of where I find myself putting a lot of energy into these days is, is building Graham the Guy, building music. I'd like to start shooting music videos here soon. So that's Ooh. a goal of mine, <laughs> but that's, that's a big project, but I'm trying, I want to do it. I want to, I want to shoot a music video for sure. So. Well, we'll have the, uh, the Spotify link in the show notes as well as uh, your website and all that good stuff. So Perfect. thank you so much again for, for joining me. Uh, this is a brilliant for- conversation. This is episode 80 of Jackson talks. Everybody. That's awesome to hear 80 episodes. Really cool. Uh, super special episode. Thank you for joining us. Grateful for you. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys later. If you are trying to be perfect, that's a mind trap. If you go through your life avoiding mistakes, that's a mind trap. Go every day seeking approval outside of yourself, that's a mind trap. If you avoid failure, that's a mind trap. If you avoid success, that's a mind trap. If you try to use fear or anger or pride, that's a mind trap. If you think what you do is who you are, that's a mind trap.